Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Five at Five. Uh, we are we are doing this um, randomly. We're we're in a different location today. Uh, we're here together, as you guys can see. I'm hoping that people can can hear us. Um, so if you're watching, um, make sure say hello in the comments. Tell us if you can hear us um, because we're we're doing we're just trying to figure this whole thing out we've got a great show which is why i'm uh, a little nervous i i hope that you guys can 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 hear us so if, if you can if you can put in the comments there if you're on facebook or youtube whether or not you can hear uh me on uh let's see here we got a comment thank you connie hello connie thank you okay we are good, so you guys can hear us. I'm really excited about that. Thank you, Connie. <laughs> so we ben, got, your hair looks great today. Doesn't his hair look good today? I keep my hair. Got the the audio hat on. Um, I keep my hair uh, under under wraps these days. Yeah, you do. Um, no one knows what the hair looks like. Uh, Doc, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, just, you. you just got into Thank town. You, you just got uh, done seeing seeing patients. Uh, we're excited to be here. Uh, thank you, Donna. Thank you for uh, saying we're going to answer. We, we got some great questions this week, so I, I think you guys are going to um, get a lot of value out of this. Hello, Anna. Thank you for being here. Um, one thing that's been super cool is seeing all the uh, all the familiar names who have um, been hanging out with us uh, regularly on Tuesday evenings. Um, this is a, a different setup. We're normally in different locations. Um, right now, we're uh, I'm going to be in uh, in the Tri Cities for for most of this week. Do you think is that okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we'd love to have you up here. One thing uh, people might not know, but you had a birthday recently, and and this is me um, trying to be a part of your birthday celebration. Thank you. Thank you. And we're we're doing it live on on Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'd like to take you out to dinner after this. Great. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, enough of that. Uh, we're going to get to to the questions here, guys. Uh, I do want to remind you, uh, if you're watching live um, on Facebook or YouTube, um, make sure you put in a question. If you have a question for Doc, uh, we'll get you in there, and um, and uh, we'll add that to uh, to after we get done with these first five that were sent in during the week. Um, okay, so this this first one is one that uh, came through email, and I'm gonna put it up there. COVID nineteen update, uh, just as of as of today, where where do we stand? What's your thoughts on COVID? Um, you know, as of you know January twenty sixth oh. is when we're recording this. Um, well, I heard an interesting piece of information today that came across my email, and it's from the American Medical Association, and it said. Um, they've reversed their decision on hydroxychloroquine. It's now okay for doctors to use hydroxychloroquine. So, can you can you elaborate just because I you know I know we've been you know treating this for a while now. So what does that change on our end on on the medical side? And nothing. We've okay. been using it anyway. That so is plus it just ivermectin? But I'm telling you, we to be honest with you, I hate to go off on this, but we have a bunch of clowns in our medical system. Um, all the way from the CDC to the NIH to Dr. Fauci. And, I mean, those, those people are absolute clowns. They have no common sense at all. We know hydroxychloroquine works, and yet they were, I mean, they were firing people from their jobs as doctors if they wrote a prescription. 
even though it works, it's completely safe. We've used it for 60 years. They actually fired quite a few doctors for using it. You know, I'm not in the system. I'm, I'm an independent, so I'm not associated with a ballot or, a, you know, any kind of health maintenance organizations or anything. So, of course, I've been using it because it works. The same thing with ivermectin. And uh, so they've changed their minds on this thing so many times that, and, you know, what they, what they traditionally do is, well, you go in, you, you have COVID, go home. If you get worse, if you get short of breath, come back to the hospital. You know, by that time, a lot of times it's too late. Those patients are dying. So in my opinion, those medical bureaucrats that are trying to run everything and not let us primary care, common sense doctors take our own risk in treating our own patients, and they're taking that right away from doctors. And, you know, now they say, oh, yeah, it does work now. Now you can use it. Well, I've continued to use it the whole time. You know, and I'm not worried about losing my job or anything. You know, I'm just trying to help save lives, and it works. So it's just really interesting what's happening. That They politicize this whole thing. Uh, for what reasons, I don't know, but people are dying from COVID, and, you know, it's a very serious thing, and there's good treatments, um, early outpatient treatments for this thing. And... Um, why they're doing this, I have no idea, but I'm telling you, some heads ought to roll for this one. But so, anyway. So, so what does that mean for, you know, for the people watching, you know, now that, that they've reversed that decision, what does that mean for them? Does that mean like just they should feel more comfortable taking hydroxy or, yeah. or, is, or do you, is it going to be more accessible now for COVID? You know, with, for this small audience that we have, uh, it means, of course, you know, people call me for treatment for COVID anyway. Um, you know, it just means that, yeah, I mean, there, I guess there's some reassurance, although, you know, almost anything you hear now from the AMA or some of these organizations, you can't trust. I mean, how many people are a little bit distrustful of our government after this COVID ordeal? Raise your hands. Can't see you out there. But anyway, um, so, you know, the update on COVID, I guess, is that, you know, it's still really bad. I mean, there's a ton of cases. I, I, at times, I think we're, we're having less cases, and then you hear of more cases. But, um, you know, the, the trend right now is hopefully a little bit down in the number of cases, but it's all really in how they measure it. You know, yep. the, with the PCR test, there's, there's a thing called cycles that they run the test through. So how many positives they get depends on how many cycles they run the PCR test through. And the standard's about 15 to 20. And they've been running a lot of these PCR tests at 35 and 40, which means that it picks up a lot of things that's probably not even COVID, like maybe the flu. That may be why we're not seeing a lot of flu. It's they're testing positive for COVID. I don't know that, but that's one theory. But um, all I know is that you certainly can treat COVID if you hit it early. We're sending a lot of people that qualify for monoclonal antibody treatment yep. and the infusions, and uh, that's really working well. Plus getting them on early ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, Zithromax, all the higher-dose vitamins, and uh and quercetin and some of the things like that. So, you know, we've treated hundreds of cases so far and had good results. But the key is treating early. And, um, you know, if your doctor or your urgent care ER 
you know, refuses to give you these medicines that are life-saving, in my opinion, just call our, one of our clinics at Performance Medicine, and we'll be glad to treat you. You don't even need to be a, a patient of ours. You don't even need to live in our state. Now we can treat people yeah. across states. So I've treated hundreds of people from other states. So, um, well, well, hopefully what this will do is this will make it more accessible for people to get early treatment, and thus our numbers will start to get better. You know, I mean, maybe. Well, we're going to have to develop this herd immunity. You know, the, the small amount of people we treat, it helps, and, and uh, those people are fortunate. But, you know, this needs to be a nationwide effort to educate primary care doctors on how to treat this and not make them scared to treat it. They're afraid of losing their license, yep. and they have no education on this. Why Fauci and some of these other bureaucrats that never see patients aren't uh, teaching doctors how to treat this early, I'll never know. I mean, I, I hate to speculate as a reason. I'm not a conspiracy-type guy. You know, I try to believe the best in everybody, but, I mean, they're getting to everybody. So, anyway, that's good news from the AMA. I'm glad they at least pitched in a little bit, and hopefully this gets widespread use. Ivermectin's a to me like a wonder drug for this i'm taking it prophylactically once a week just for prevention you're taking it yep. my office staff is taking it i've treated many many doctors and frontline healthcare workers with prophylactic once a week ivermectin which is not going to hurt anybody i mean what's the harm in it yeah um so uh that's the update um i'm just hoping that we'll uh turn the corner and develop some herd immunity you know, the, the vaccinations are out there. They're having a problem rolling them out. Um, the mRNA vaccines are, they're kind of controversial, you know. Um, yeah. I don't really want to get into that. I'm certainly not an anti-vaxxer type person, but I've got my little doubts about the mRNA vaccine. I know I've seen a lot of kind of crazy reactions to it. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of getting a vaccine, um, but... I'm really anxious to see when Johnson & Johnson comes out with yep. their their vaccine. That's one personally I would look at a little closer on taking myself. But um, but you're still encouraging the, the, the most vulnerable. Get for the, sure. Yeah. yeah, go get the vaccine. The, the vaccine is going to be probably worse than uh, the disease in the majority of patients. Um, but uh, and one thing, if you've had the immuno the uh, monoclonal antibodies, you don't need to take that vaccine for three months. You know they're encouraging anybody that's had the disease to get the vaccine anytime. But if I had the disease itself, or certainly monoclonal antibodies, wait uh, three months before you get that vaccine and uh, keep your ears peeled out. Certainly for elderly people, I'm encouraging them to get the vaccine because I still think. You know, the chances of a bad reaction is less than, you know, having a bad outcome from the disease. But, um, you know, you just have to be really smart about this thing. And um, I, I'll try to keep people updated as much as I can because we're, we learn stuff all the time about it. Yeah. Um, but certainly, please take your vitamins, vitamins D, C, zinc, quercetin, and um, get tested early and... Um, even if you have a negative test, if you lose your taste and smell and you're sick with flu-like illnesses, call us. We're going to treat you, you know, and uh, hopefully avoid you having to go in the hospital. Keep an eye on those O2 saturation numbers. Um, so, 
Yeah, That's my update. For, for those who, who want to learn more about the monoclonal uh, antibodies, we uh, did a segment on that last week. I'll make sure that, that that's easy to find. Uh, it was on last week's 5 at 5. That's on the, the podcast now. Um, okay, we're going to move to the second question here, which is another COVID question. Uh, can COVID-19 make other blood work be off after three or four weeks? So what I'm assuming this means is they've had, uh, they had COVID three or four weeks ago. Um, will it still impact their, uh, their blood work now? Um, it could, you know, they're, um, usually in a month's time, they're going to be back to normal, but you know, you, we usually have a low white blood cell count that we see with COVID. Um, we, it can throw your liver function test off for sure. Maybe your kidneys. I mean, a lot of these COVID patients in the hospital end up on dialysis and you have a certain thing called a long hauler syndrome where mm-hmm. you don't recover from COVID for months and certainly can affect your heart and lungs and cause some pulmonary fibrosis and shortness of breath. Extreme fatigue is the most common thing I'm seeing as a sequelae of having can, this. Can I ask like, you know, cause I've actually had a couple of questions on the website about their, you know, their granddad or their father, you know, is a long hauler. Any advice for, for the long haulers in terms of what they should do? Is they, do they just stay on treatment? Um, well, once you treat it, you know, it's pretty, the, the virus, you know, you pretty much got it treated. But um, if you have uh, pulmonary or cardiac compromise, then you have to treat that like you would any congestive heart failure or pulmonary fibrosis patient. So, yeah, I mean, you have to treat them for those symptoms. So the COVID tr- caused it, but it doesn't matter. You still have to treat their heart failure. Got it. So you, tr- you treat the, you know, the symptom that came from COVID, essentially. Sure you do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Um, did, we, did we answer that question? I think we did. I hope yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, follow, you know, see how you do clinically. Um, there, 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 there was some blood work, though, that, that I think we had a question a few weeks back about um, it impacting um, – Certain levels. I don't remember what it was though. Um, probably certain, your certain blood level. Your white blood cell count, I think liver that, function test, uh, kidney function. Um, so, are you suggesting we wait? Like, so if somebody did come down with COVID, they wait, you know, two months to get labs. I usually wait about a month and just, you know, I follow clinically. Yeah. You know, uh, more so than I do the labs, but. Um, but that's a good question. All right. We're going to get to the next one here. Uh, this was from Instagram. Uh, thank you to all the Instagram followers. Uh, what does it mean if ferritin is lower but iron levels are normal? And uh, this is probably referring to um, this week's Common Sense yeah. MD podcast on on ferritin levels. Um, so, so go ahead and answer that question, then I'm going to probably well, follow it up. Well, um, Ferritin is the best uh, lab test to get for iron storage. It's a much better test than getting an iron level um, because it shows you how deep of stores you have. For example, you could have a normal iron level, uh, enough iron to make your red blood cells, but ferritin is a blood protein that stores the iron. So that's a more accurate uh, depiction of how much iron you actually have in your body's ferritin. So, and uh, when it gets at a certain point, you can certainly get anemic from it. So you have iron, then ferritin, and then anemia. So, so in this case, if her, if her, or him, his, their ferritin levels are lower, but their iron is normal, you you would really go with the ferritin level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they still may need iron. 
Got it. Got it. Okay, next question. It's not anemic yet. Okay. Uh, let's see here. What is the carotid IMT ultrasound? Um, we've had a few questions about this. We do this um, once a month in the Kingsport office. Uh, what does that show you? Yeah, that's a that's a really good test to get. Non-invasive, you know, minute or two test on your neck um, to look at your carotid arteries and uh, also your vertebrals. But um, and we have those coming up this Thursday, I think. Uh, they come up from Atlanta to do this test once a week in my office because it's, they don't have it around here. It's it's a carotid interval media thickness ultrasound. So it gets a lot more detailed picture of your um, cardiovascular system than just a plain carotid ultrasound like they would do on a lifeline screening. Um, that's just going to show blockage. This actually measures the thickness of that innermost lining of your artery, which is a direct correlation to what's going on in your heart. And it shows carotid plaque, too, um, soft and hard plaque. So it correlates the difference between soft plaque and hard plaque. Hard plaque is calcium. Soft plaque is fibrin deposits, more likely to cause a problem. But the reason I like it is because it gives you a vascular age and kind of is a direct correlation to what's going on in your heart. And it's just a wonderful test to get to kind of see where you are as far as um, are you close to having heart disease or a stroke. Um, just a really good picture of that. And um, we get a lot of information from that. That and the CT calcium and the Cleveland Heart Panel are you know, some of the best things we can do. to. That's, that's exactly what I was about to say because I remember we – we did a an article on on heart health. I think it might have been during Heart Health Month one year, and and the the three things you mentioned were the Cleveland Heart, the CT calcium, and this carotid IMT ultrasound is kind of the, you know, the way to get the best you know view of how you're doing yep. from a heart yep. health standpoint. Yeah, we're trying to prevent heart disease, which is the number one killer by far. So in the world of primary care, integrated medicine, you always have that in the back of your mind. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, I have seen a lot of heart disease, a lot of heart attacks in the last few months that, and people, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it would happen. I mean, several patients that I know um, have had heart, heart attacks. Hmm. And I think stress plays an important part, too. It's And lack of exercise, um, you know, stress is so, so much of a toxin that nobody ever thinks about lack of sleep it all causes heart disease yeah stress can cause cancer as well um, but anyway get your carotid imt great test inexpensive gives me a lot of information all right thank you doc next question all right i'm going to remind that we're getting ready to go into our last question i have not checked these comments yet we're getting ready to go through those if you do have questions we're going to try to get to all those um thank you everybody for sticking around we will get to the comments here in just a second uh, this last question is, how do you measure cortisol levels? Speaking of stress. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, and it's, you know, a blood cortisol level is in the Cleveland Heart Panel. That gives me a, a fair idea if you're running too high or too low. Neither one are good. But cortisol is the stress hormone. It's really actually the only hormone that goes up as you age. Um, and it, it can correlate with stress. And then if you, have, if you stress your adrenal glands, that's where it comes from is your adrenal glands, then you can suppress it and you can have a flatline uh, cortisol, which is worse than having a high because you've 
burns your adrenals out, leads to chronic fatigue and illness. But So the best way to measure is really through a salivary test because you need to measure it at different times during the day at 8 a.m., 12, 5, and 10, and see what – it's supposed to be high in the morning and low at night. Hmm. And so for some people that are entirely stressed, it'll be low in the morning. They can't wake up high at night. They can't sleep. So you need to see when it's high and when it's low. Um, and it's just – and you just spit in this little tube and send it into the lab. I, I do this a lot. I've done it on myself. And well, what's this test called? Is it The salivary cortisol curve. Salary and the, okay, yeah. and the curve is you, you you want it high in the morning, low at night. And yeah, and, and it comes down during the day. So if it's high in the middle of the day, you know you're stressed out during the day. I can sometimes tell what kind of jobs people have <laughs> by looking at it. But um, in any event, uh, it's it's a pretty good test to look at if you have chronic fatigue, can't sleep, because there's ways you can balance it out. And Cortisol affects your insulin levels. It affects your thyroid. You know, if, if you can't figure out why you're chronically fatigued, your thyroid looks normal, your insulin looks normal, your blood count, everything else, start thinking about your adrenal glands, the hmm. cortisol, uh, the stress hormone. Yeah, it's interesting. You don't. It, it almost the way you're saying it. You want to balance, you know, because you don't want to flatline it. You don't want to be tired all the time. That's the worst thing. Yeah, you don't want it too high over. A uh, long period of time, either. All You'll right. Be wired but tired. Okay, guys, we're going to get into the comments here. Uh, see what questions we got. Uh, thank you to everybody who's hanging out with us. Um, Tuesday night, five at five. Uh, we're live. We're, you know, we're in person, which is cool. Uh, somebody just wished me happy birthday. It's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> happy, happy birthday. His birthday <laughs> was 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 recent. And I was sixty six, and Ben wanted me to come up with sixty six pearls, <laughs> health pearls, and maybe I'll still try to come up with that. I think I could do that pretty easily. That, that's. What do you guys think about that? If, if, do you like that idea? I was thinking, you know, your, for your sixty sixth birthday, we, you know, you should come up with sixty sixty six of your best health tips i think that'd be cool if you guys think it'd be cool. that or i could run 66 miles or <laughs> i couldn't do that i could bike 66 um, not run well th thank you guys thank you donna cheryl cheryl um gosh you guys are great melanie thank you um let's see here let's find a question um let's see love some of these comments hello mike um let's see here Okay, uh, Anna. Um, great. great one there. This is a good one, Anna. I'm going to put you up here. Okay, rumor, individuals who take Botox injections should not take vaccine. False. Um, Botox won't react with the vaccine, but the fillers like Juvederm, some of those could uh, interact with the vaccine up to two months later. Um, it's an autoimmune thing. So Botox, I don't worry about. Um, but fillers, um, I would have never thought of this question. That's a, no, that's but a there's great. been reports of it and, and I have seen reactions from fillers, uh, rarely from back through the many years I've done fillers and faces, but, um, there have been reports with this new vaccine, uh, there being some autoimmune type reactions. Uh, and if you have filler, which can be, um, kind of like a foreign body in the face mm. um that it can react you know but um you know these these are 
these are usually hyaluronic acid fillers, which is kind of a natural substance that your body makes anyway. But um, so what I would tell you is don't, you know, if you like fillers and all, I wouldn't hold off on it because you're getting the vaccine. But if you're one of those very rare people who does get a reaction in your face to the filler a month or two after the vaccine, come in and we'll immediately put you on some uh, steroids and an antibiotic and, we'll, and then maybe some antihistamines will take care of it. It's easy to take care of, but... Yeah, that's been reported. But for for fillers, for fillers, not Botox. I haven't heard it for Botox unless you you're hearing something I hadn't. But uh. all right, okay, Claudia, um, put thank you for this question, Claudia. Um, can you tell me more about your intermittent uh, fasting routine? Yeah, I love intermittent fasting. As you know, um, well, you may not know that, but last spring, after a few months of COVID. Through stress, you know, we had to close down our office for a little while, and you still have to pay the bills, and you're a little stressed. I found myself putting on a little weight around my midsection, yeah. and I've always been a real skinny guy, hopefully fit. Um, but I started noticing my pants were fitting tighter, and and that's you know, and that's the first sign for everybody. You know, uh, what we tell everybody is like, pay attention to your your pants and how they're fitting, not necessarily the scale. So, and it was definitely just around the middle. That's the mm -hmm. only place I gained it. And, um, you know, I guess I was reaching for too many carbs, which are comfort foods. But anyway, so I started researching it. And I've always been fascinated by fasting. So um, ran across intermittent fasting and started researching that. Read Jan Stevens' book and several of the other um, people that do a lot of this. Um, and started a routine of... Uh, 17 hours when I don't eat anything and seven hours when I do, I call it the feeding window, but the 17 hours off black coffee or water. And all, all it did for me was I just didn't eat past and still don't past 7 PM mm -hmm. most of the time until lunch the next day. I don't drink bulletproof coffee in the morning anymore. I don't put any artificial sweeteners. I've learned to drink black coffee or drink water. So what I found out was, number one, it really took took the inch off my waist. I got back down to my 31 pants, and, you know, my weight really came down below my high school weight, which is I've always maintained a high school weight of about 165 pounds, but it's come down below that. And um, so it really works for, for weight loss, and it seems to select out the abdominal fat. So you may want to start out with a 16-off, 8-on, um, you know, it kind of goes against eat breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. Turns out it isn't the most important meal of the day. And most breakfasts are not that great anyway. So just skip breakfast. It makes your whole morning routine better. And you can build in, you know, the seven, eight hours of sleep into, yeah, into and part of your fast. I'll tell you, it gives you a lot of energy when you do fasting. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I'll, do, I'll pull a whole day, like on a Saturday, not eat anything. It's surprisingly easy. Um, but... Um, if you're struggling with weight or energy, try fasting. It's, it's an amazing thing. Our bodies are really designed not to graze all day, but to fast and then feast a little bit. Hmm. It also allows you to maybe eat a little bit more in that feeding window. So I love the intermittent fasting. Thank you for that question, Claudia. Um, okay, let's see here. Here's another uh, vaccine question from Connie. Thank you for this. Um, if you have a uh, lipoprotein A, will it conflict with the vaccine for COVID? 
I haven't heard of uh, that. You know, lipoprotein A, LP little a, is a particular type of LDL, quote, bad cholesterol, totally genetically determined. Um, you know, I haven't heard that. I wouldn't think it would. I mean, there there may be some genetic um, mutations that predispose people for getting COVID or doing bad with COVID. They've identified about six of them, none of which I ever heard of. I mean, they have big, long letters, and, you know, but they've identified some that uh, people have in common that don't do well with COVID. So, you know, you've, you've heard about blood typing that may yep. make a difference. Type O is more protective. But um, so I haven't heard that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do a little research and see, but uh, I'll have to look that one up. I have not heard that. Good question. A lot of weird things about COVID, uh, you know. It's a very strange disease. Okay, here's another um uh, COVID question, how long after COVID can you get vaccine? Uh, seems that you're saying it's not too necessary to get the vaccine if you've if you've had COVID. Um, I wouldn't get it right after I'd had COVID. You need to certainly wait three months. Now, the official recommendations are go ahead and get it. Everybody get vaccinated, but I wouldn't. I mean, I like that, that natural immunity you get from the T-cell immunity you get from having the disease itself, which may last up to a year. Now, the B-cells which is going to be measured through your COVID antibodies will show up for a few months, but the T cell uh, immunity, which is more important, which you can't measure, at least not in a normal lab, um, may last up to a year. But certainly if you're high risk and, you know, you want to get the vaccine, you can certainly get it. But I would wait three months after I had the disease. Hmm personally great question there anthony um all right guys it looks like uh the rest of the uh, oh actually i see mike hold on one second um i actually heard you talk a lot about ashwagandha uh could you speak to the benefits of ashwagandha uh ashwagandha is just another one of those adrenal adaptogens that um tends to bring your cortisol levels lower if they're high higher if they're low so it's kind of an adaptogenic herb that means it works both ways uh, but, yeah, I like ashwagandha. It's a wonderful herb. A lot of times I uh, use it along with rhodiola and L-theanine. You know, you can get a blend of these things if you have adrenal problems. But uh, ashwagandha is great. A lot of people use it for other things like weight loss and things. But um, wonderful herb for sure. All right. It seems I missed a few guys. I, I'm sorry here. got Debbie. Um, migraine. Uh, seems like she has uh, migraines, you know, what if nothing's working uh, for a migraine? Um, there's some new stuff out for migraine headaches. Number one, try to figure out something that precipitates it, whether it be hormones or food or stress. Or, um, But, you know, there are some new classes of medications for migraines. Uh, Nurtec is probably my, my newest one that I've had a lot of success with. It's unlike the triptans. It doesn't really vasoconstrictor vessel so it's safe for people with heart disease etc and it seems to have virtually no side effects hmm. you use it further on into the migraine but um you you brevely and uh nurtec are the two that uh you hear about and um we've had good success there's also a monthly shot you can get um that may cut down on the incidence of migraine headaches 
Uh, but always try to figure out the precipitating event if you can. A lot of times for hormonal headaches, which, you know, migraines are more common in women, I use progesterone, hmm. even in teenage girls, and it really works for aborting a migraine headache. Because um, migraine headaches are terrible. Yeah. They're really, they're really bad. There is new stuff, though. We got one more here. Let's see. This is a COVID one. If you've taken all the meds prescribed for COVID, um, it seems at PM, but still have a bad cough and congestion, is that normal? So they're taking everything prescribed, still have, it seems like it could be a long hauler type situation. It may be. I don't know if you had the actual COVID itself, but it sounds like you may have. But yeah, sometimes that that month-long cough is from irritation in the cilia of your respiratory tract that's trying to regenerate, and it'll just be like a tickle cough. Um, you know, certainly monitor your PO2 levels on your on your finger pulse oximeter to make sure you're not getting hypoxic. But a lot of times we'll use, you know, mucinex to loosen it up. We'll use sometimes inhalers, bronchodilators. Uh, sometimes a persistent cough can also... Uh, come from GERD, you know, gastroesophageal reflux. And sometimes you can try some Pepsid, which you should be taking anyway because it's good for COVID, and try that. But um, and certainly if you have a persistent cough that doesn't go away, then you need a chest X-ray. Um, All right. I'm good question. looking. we got some great questions tonight, guys. And, and I can't thank you enough for, for hanging out. Um, we like to do this every single Tuesday. This is 5 at 5. Uh, we're taking live questions every week as well as going through, you know, the comments on our social channels as well as our, uh, the emails we get from our website um, to, to answer those uh, here and hopefully helping a, a bunch of people. Um, guys, Jessica, great to see you again. Uh, Connie, Debbie, uh, Anna, thank you. We love doing this as well. Uh, we, are, we are huge uh, fans of that. Thank you. Um, we... Um, like to like to get to talk to you. You know, Tuesday night you're you're right out of the office, and we get to you know chat a little bit about the the health and wellness it's world. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, we have a good time. Yeah. Uh, so, guys, thank you so much uh, for being here. Uh, this has been Five at Five. I'm Ben. This is uh, Dr. Rogers, the Common Sense MD. If you have not checked out uh, our newest podcast titled The Common Sense MD, you need to check that out. Um, making the complex things a little less complex. Is that the goal? That's right. <laughs> I'm a simple man, so I can hopefully make the complex simple. Guys, Try. thank you so thank much. You. Um, we will see you guys, as always, next time. Uh, thank you, Tara. Um, we're going to, we'll be back uh, a week from today, uh, Tuesday. It's always within the 5 to 6 o'clock hour um, answering live questions. So uh, come in and, and hang out with us uh, virtually. Um, until then, uh, Performance Weekly comes out Monday. If you're not getting that, uh, you can sign up for that on our website. Uh, with all of our sessions, every single show we put out uh, comes out in Performance Weekly. Uh, if you have questions that you want to be on the show or that you want on the show next week, uh, you can put those in the comments here. I'll go through those to the ones we didn't answer uh, and get to, uh, get to them next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank We're, we are signing off with this. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.